0: And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And once again, I just want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Again, rbcarcompany.com. There's a little weirdness going on with the audio here from uh, from my live stream. It's just being odd. We're going to have to deal with the, uh, the normal webcam microphone for this first segment which is okay I think uh, you won't be able to hear some of the audio clips that I have for you but I think you'll be all right uh, if you don't hear any of those things for some reason it's just not picking up the standard uh standard mic in and I don't know why that is because usually that is pretty standard so if you're on the live stream we just have to deal with the webcam for one segment we'll get it situated here in the next portion of the uh the program so I have to address the elephant in the room An elephant in the room is Joe Biden falling off of his bicycle which gave a lot of people a chuckle on Saturday morning uh, for those of you who have not seen it I encourage you to watch the video and if that makes me seem mean I don't care as I've told you before when he fell the first time on Air Force one and there are people who whom I respect were like I don't see anything funny about an old man falling he could have got hurt I It's funny because he's not seriously hurt. You know, watching people fall down is funny. Watching people fall down and, like, die, not so funny, right? That's how how this works. So the reason that I thought it was so funny is not because I don't like Joe Biden. It's because Joe Biden made such a big deal throughout the entire campaign about challenging people to push-up contests and talking about how, He was the one who would run and walk up, you know, run, run up and down the stairs and walk up and down the stairs without any issues. And Donald Trump was one that was worried about falling and that sort of stuff. And he was the one that was constantly making a big deal out of health and fitness. And the left of the country has constantly made a big deal about Trump being morbidly obese, which, of course, he's not morbidly obese. He's certainly a little bit overweight, but he's not morbidly obese. Uh, And they just continue to make this an issue. Right. And so Joe Biden, because they have made this an issue, it has amplified how hysterical it is to watch somebody fall in addition to how hysterical it is to watch somebody fall down. Because it's, it's always hysterical. It's just, it's funny. Uh, if you don't think it's funny, I'm sorry. You don't have a sense of humor. So Biden is unhurt, which is good. We don't want him to get hurt. We don't like the guy. We don't want him hurt. And he fell to the ground. He, he hit hard. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know if his, his leg got stuck on the spikes of the pedals or if it caught his shoelace or what have you. I don't know. Okay. I don't care. He fell. He hit hard. But he's he's fine. He's fine. That's the important thing. He's fine. Okay? So, basically, he said that his foot got caught. That's, I don't know. I couldn't see what actually happened. It's certainly plausible. I've had that happen before. Most kids have had that happen, but it happened and he fell down. Now, I would like to remind everybody of, of a basic fact that the left loved to point out throughout the campaign as the right was constantly telling you how old Joe Biden was. They would always point out that Joe Biden was only three years older than Donald Trump. Now, when you look at Joe Biden now and you look at Donald Trump now, do they look like they're only three years apart in age? Look at their, their physicality and then also look at their ability to function. Do they look like they're only three years apart in age? No. Joe Biden looks to be 10, 15 years older at a minimum, but they're three years apart in age. And we're starting to get internal rumblings from the Democratic Party that Joe Biden, they don't want him to run in 2024 because, again, he, quote, just seems old, according to one member of the party in a memo. He just seems old. Well, he just seems old because he is old. He he's not even doing the press, the pressers in the normal places at the White House because they had to build him a studio. Because the teleprompters we finally found this out last month, the teleprompters are so big they don't fit in the Oval Office. And they have to permanently mount them. So they built this stage where he could go. Now, I'm not denigrating the man for having poor vision, but it's just one other layer that, hey, this is a this is an issue going into 2024. I told you before the election even happened, if Biden were to win, it would be a two-year plan. That's what I told you. So they're going to keep him in there for two years. Whoever his VP nominee is, the times Kamala Harris, was going to be the one that they would want to replace. Now, I think the plan has shifted a little bit because nobody really wants Kamala. And maybe there's still some people in the Democratic Party who think putting Kamala in there for two years will somehow, some way, ingratiate her to the American public and give her a head start so she can serve that two years plus have two potential full terms. So she could be in the, in office for a decade. That was what I always told you the plan was, and that's from my sources from inside the parties. They were looking at doing that. Plans change. Um, part of the reason that plans change is that Kamala Harris is a dunce and doesn't know what the hell she's doing. So everything that she touches turns to crap. Okay, that's that's just how it is. I don't I don't know what else to say. Her next job, having solved exactly none of her other jobs, her next job is going to head up the new disinformation board. That's something that Kamala Harris is actually somewhat qualified for. She's somewhat qualified to lie to the American people on a regular, perpetual basis. So that, that could be her first success as vice president. Then I've told you before, they were they're, they're grooming Buttigieg to slide in as her VP because they want to go ahead and move him forward, even though right now, minority America hates his guts. Right. So they don't like him. And with good reason, they don't like they don't like people to judge. So that seems to be the working plan that the Democrats have. It hasn't completely been been derailed yet, uh, but it's always something that, you know, it, potentially, hey, maybe you give Kamala two years and you're still kind of controlling and dictating things anyway from the party. You give her a couple of years and then maybe you have a primary between her and Pete or somebody else or whoever it is. And it'd be interesting to see if this is actually what transpires. But again, they're three years apart, Trump and Biden. But Biden seems old. Trump does not seem old to anybody. There's nobody that looks at Donald Trump and says, that is an old man who can't function. Everybody looks at Joe Biden and says that. And the people who don't say that are the people who are lying to you because they're trying to fake it until they make it. Now, what makes this so extra saucy funny is that... Uh, you started to have a bunch of people defend Biden for falling off of the bike. Uh, it, what they should have done is just said, you know, every kid's shoelaces got caught up on the spikes of a, of a bike pedal and have fallen down. Thank God he's OK. Uh, look at all these idiots wishing him harm. That That's what they should have done. That's not what they did. They decided to go ahead and somehow make this an heroic moment. Casey, what are you talking about? How can you make falling off of a bicycle square in your head a heroic moment? I don't know. But this is what The Atlantic wrote. The heroism of Biden's bike fall. That is an actual title of an article that got published over the weekend. The heroism of Biden's bike fall. And then they made it all about, it's an important lesson for America, that when you fall, you must get back up. I'm not joking. This is a real article. I will put the screenshot of this very real article Totally unbiased article in The Atlantic in the Daily Show prep for you today. Then you've got Mike Sinkton. Biden takes a spill, falls off his bike. Secret Service agents. I'm not convinced they were Secret Service agents. I'm convinced that they were Patriot Front members. Race to help him. He appears to be unhurt. Watch Republicans have a field day with this. But I'll point out, there's no way Trump could even ride a bike Without deflating the tires. Oh, so we're, we're going back to a fat joke again. I see people who are a lot fatter than Donald Trump riding bicycles all around South Bend almost every day. And for some reason, they think they need the full spandex, skin-tight bicycle out- outfit. I don't know why. They want to walk around looking like basically a... a Doped up jelly roll. I don't know what the deal is, but they, they think it looks good, I guess. Listen, if you're the shape of a boulder, you're not going to improve your aerodynamics by wearing skin-tight spandex. It's not going to work. Uh, it should probably just be comfortable, have some loose-fitting clothes on, because we know that you're hot, okay? So just do yourself a favor and and not paint yourself with spandex if you weigh three or 400 pounds while you're riding a bicycle around the city. Why don't we go over it? I'm going to do just some flashback stuff on this because I think that this is really hysterical, you have to understand something. Joe Biden had campaign ads, not just people saying it, actual, literal campaign ads about how he runs and he sprints and Trump walks very slowly and everything, because Trump didn't want to slip on a slippery ramp one day at one event. But they made an entire campaign out of all of this. We're going to play you some of that stuff and just kind of remind you Why this is so extra saucy funny that that Joe Biden fell off of the bike. We got more coming up, News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Matt's Idea Shop on Twitter. I'm looking forward to all the so-called Republican pounce on Biden's bike crash takes today from the same people that called for the 25th Amendment after Trump walks slowly down a ramp. And yeah, that's pretty much how things have gone. And like I said, just you know, fat jokes and Trump wouldn't have got on a bicycle. He would have put up the tires. Like, OK, that's that's mature. Uh, let's uh, cue my audio here. Let's go back in time, shall we? I want to go back in time. And I want you, I want you to listen to this. This is on CNN. Okay, but they they have a clip here of Joe Biden uh, talking about, look how look how he steps and look how I step and watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay, come on. Okay, that that was Joe Biden. This is why him falling is hysterical. And he fell on Air Force One again. Was it last week or the week before? So he keeps falling. on. on, By the way, every time he falls, the Trump hitting a golf ball and the golf ball knocking him over or Trump throwing a... Uh, MAGA at Adam and knocking him over every single time that turns into one of those things. So I just want to remind everybody that you know, this is still one of the things they did this. The Democrats did this. They made this about Joe Biden is physically fit. Donald Trump is an, an obese whale. They made that about this whole situation. Okay. That's on them. Everybody knew that Joe Biden was old. Everybody understood that Donald Trump attacking Joe Biden's age was something that was effective politically. And they decided to try and turn it around and that's that's why you always had these weird moments of Joe Biden going out there and, and telling everybody, you know, hey, um, I like uh, I, I could beat you in a push-up contest. There's very weird stuff that was happening on the campaign trail. So I want to take you back in time as well. This is August, the end of August of 2020. Jennifer Rubin. OK, fake Republican, Jennifer Rubin, basically making fun of Donald Trump. and says, has anyone ever seen Trump run? I've never seen Jennifer Rubin run. Does that mean anything? No, of course not. But she says that. And then Andrew Bates responds, "Or ride a bike." And then he responded with a campaign ad. Now, here's what you need to know. Andrew Bates, okay, is the White House Deputy Press Secretary now. At the time he wasn't. At the time he was just in Biden's campaign. He also worked for the Obama White House, but now he's the White House Deputy Press Secretary. So back in 2020, he responded to her and said, "Not only have haven't seen him you know, run. We've never seen him on a bike. Oh, and here's our latest campaign ad. Cue the audio. Here's a campaign ad for Donald for uh, for uh, not Donald Trump for Joe Biden. Some people are always in a hurry. They
1: run when they could walk, race up steps when others take it slow. When Joe Biden's president, America is just going to have to keep up.
0: We won't have to wait to deal with COVID-19. He's already got. And it went on to a full campaign ad, which you don't need. Now, what you need to understand in this campaign ad, there's a bunch of pictures, they're all still images, of Joe Biden running. And then there's a couple of videos of Joe Biden running up some stairs and Joe Biden running over to uh, to smell some kid's head. You know, all of these various things. And then they have the little picture of Donald Trump going down that one ramp at that one event. There's somebody already fallen and slipped on that ramp. He's wearing dress shoes. I don't know, ladies, if you understand this, but every guy out there who's ever worn a pair of dress shoes understands this. Those things got no grip. Zero. You can slip. On really smooth, dry concrete with dress shoes if you don't have the right soles and stuff on there. But and he's Donald Trump has already talked about that. He's like, I already watched somebody fall earlier that day. He's like, you imagine if I fell what the media would do. They made an entire campaign ad about how Joe Biden will run. But Donald Trump can barely walk down the stairs. So, yeah, I think it's hysterical. Every time Joe Biden falls down, it just gives it that extra bit of hilarity beyond just watching somebody fall, which is always Funny, but the Washington Free Beacon had an exclusive, and I think that this is important. I haven't seen anybody else talk about this today. The Washington Free Beacon got an exclusive. Now, we had a couple of different shots of, you know, right when it happened as as Joe Biden came over to... The gaggle of people that was there and then fell over. Okay. So one of the people there has claimed credit for knocking him over. Okay. So the Washington Free Beacon got this person, they found this person, and they allowed them to publish an editorial. Okay. Uh, First of all, I want to thank the Washington Free Beacon for reaching out. It was the only respectable media outlet to express concern and show any interest in telling my side of the story. Uh, Of course, you assume that there's going to be some kind of an investigation now. Uh, We all just assume that he fell over. He said that his foot got caught, but now it appears that there might have actually been an intentional attack on the former vice president. Anyway, this editorial on the Washington Free Beacon continues, it is a story the American people deserve to hear. The incident that took place on January 18, 2022 in Rehoboth Beach was no accident. I accept full responsibility for my role in deliberately causing Joe Biden to bust his elderly bleep on the pavement in front of a gawking mob. My actions, which I do not regret, were motivated by years of festering resentment and an overwhelming sense of moral outrage. I took the geezer down to send a message. Now, I will be the first to admit the language here and the rhetoric here um, from this person is not great. And it certainly looks like a, a, you know, another visceral deranged attack on a political rival or just somebody you disagree with politically. And yeah, rival's probably not the right word. I mean, they're clearly not sorry that they are responsible for Joe Biden falling over on his bicycle. So just keep that in mind. Okay. But kudos to the Washington Free Beacon for publishing the editorial anyway. This is my truth. I hate being Joe Biden's bicycle. I am routinely forced to provide Sleepy Joe with convey- conveyance, exercise, and entertainment during his many vacations. I return. In return, I am subjected to hours upon hours of deranged incomprehensible anecdotes about the Suez Crisis or the Cuyahoga River fires or the trucker strike of nineteen seventy-three and seventy-four. His brain is as warped and rusted as my crankset. See, we've got a we've got a bit of a twist here. It's the bicycle that took him out, and the bicycle wrote an editorial in the Washington Free Beacon, which means the bicycle has more coherence than former Vice President Joe Biden. So anyway, the editorial continues. That being said, I didn't do this out of personal spite. No, I put my body on the line to call the world's attention on Father's Day weekend to the ongoing inhumane treatment of an innocent child. More than two and a half years have passed since a DNA test determined with scientific certainty that Hunter Biden, the crackhead who stole me from a garage in Georgetown, was the biological father of the baby girl identified as identified in Arkansas court documents as NJR. Hunter reached a confidential settlement with the child's mother, former stripper London Alexis Roberts, a.k.a. Dallas, in March of 2020. The crackhead wrote in his memoir that he had no recollection of his relationship with the woman, whom he chival- chivalrously described as hardly the dating type Mm. say what you will about the moral depravity of hunter biden he finally recognized the child's existence after exhausting his legal options the same cannot be said about joe biden which is why i felt compelled to take the action that i did the former vice president and his doctor wife don't get me started continue to deny the existence of njr determined as they are to punish her for the crime of being born to a nasty woman the the thing continues, but it is important to uh, to note that the bicycle of Joe Biden uh, has now set up a TikTok and an Instagram account. And you can go to the TikTok and Instagram account uh, for Joe Biden's bicycle. But uh, here's the thing. They did. They sacrificed it. Look, they they rubbed on the, the pavement, too. Okay, The bicycle rubbed on the pavement. They're, they're no longer shiny and brand new. But they did it to call attention to why the Biden family will not acknowledge the existence of one of their grandchildren, which is an awful horrible inhumane thing to do to somebody we got more coming up news talk 953 michiana's news channel Joe Biden's bicycle is an American hero, ladies and gentlemen. MNC Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank RB Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, uh, Columbia City, rbcarcompany.com is their website. All right, here we go. I, I did a whole bunch about this over the weekend. One of the things that I've told you to look out for is uh, one of the things that, you know, groomers tend to do is when you call them out and you expose them for being groomers what they tend to do is they tend to go on and say well you're really obsessed with groomers aren't you maybe maybe you're the one that that has the problem it's it's a way of basically projecting themselves on onto you, because God forbid you don't want uh, people sexualizing children or anything like that. Now The interesting thing about this, and I did an early show, I did a couple of them, but one in particular, if you go to rumble.com, go into my channel and scroll through and look for the video on teachers. And the reason that I did this, let me give you the exact title here, uh, teachers preying upon kids is getting worse. Okay, go watch that. That is considered required viewing by a lot of my my audience, and that is an early show that we did. I went back all the way to the year 2000 with data on sexual abuse of children inside of a school. The media reports on it. The Department of Education reports on it. Numerous studies by groups that were not conservative groups at all, and you will find very, very, very clear patterns of behavior. And it's disturbing to watch this stuff develop. Uh, The reality is, while society runs around and likes to make jokes about Catholic priests molesting children, teachers are far more likely to molest children than Catholic priests are, according to the data. And it's not even remotely close. In fact, there is no group. There is no group beyond, like, family with a higher rate of child abuse than teachers. Now, that doesn't mean that all teachers are bad. It just means that you have a lot of bad people that seek out the profession to gain access to kids. And since we as a nation didn't pursue a policy of quality, but we pursued a policy of quantity for teachers, you allowed the lowest common denominator and a lot of bad people to filter in that. That's what you did. Uh, And this has been a problem for a long time. And in fact, it was a problem that just a few years ago, even The Washington Post was calling out, why is it that nobody is talking about this except for local news? So if a teacher does something to a child locally, it's all over the local news. It does not make it national at all, even though this is extremely commonplace and the trend is being called by experts, even in the Department of Education, as epidemic. That's where we start to run into some real issues with how this is being addressed. And considering some of the data uh, that I have highlighted for, for many of you in the past, I mean, it's... It is very scary stuff when you start to look at the the data, the statistics, and how often this actually happens. And, and I would encourage anybody out there who hasn't watched that, please go watch it. Because if you know any social workers, or anybody deals with children who are victimized this way, they will inevitably give you the pattern of behavior. The reason the word grooming is used is because grooming is a term used to describe this behavior. And when people duplicate This behavior, they are grooming children. And just because they're an educator or they're in the public school system or they're a politician or what have you, doesn't take away from the fact that they are, in fact, engaging in grooming behavior, therefore are groomers. Uh, Now, some of these people, maybe they intend to victimize children. Maybe they have no idea what they're doing. They're just engaging Uh, in this grooming behavior without intending to victimize children. They don't really fully realize what they're doing because they've been told to do this by various groups or or what have you. I don't know. But one of the things that you routinely find is that when you see this grooming behavior and you call it out, they inevitably will minimize it and say, really, you're just projecting yourself onto other people. No, that's not typically what's going on. You watch grooming behavior, you start showing pornography to young children, and I'm talking about actual pornography. I'm not talking about two girls kissing each other in a Buzz Lightyear film being pornography. I'm talking about actual pornography. We have given you examples of that on this show, as radio-friendly as we could. For those of you who watched the early show, you've seen the more extreme examples of this in elementary schools. This is stuff that if I were a father, showed to my children... I would be arrested. Yet somehow it's okay to show children in an elementary school at school. Not okay. So anyway, a a socialist self-described socialist high school teacher from Hawaii went on a years-long kind of tangent on this and had been attacking libs of TikTok and everything else, you know, basically saying that nobody wants to show pornography to your kids, nobody wants to victimize your kids. This is all a made-up right-wing conspiracy thing you're projecting your pedophilia on on us and yada 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 yeah well that person alden bunag has been arrested for raping a 13 year old boy who is a former student of his at his school raped him multiple times multiple times not only that this teacher who totally claims we're not showing pornography or grooming your children this teacher shared images of his abuse of this young boy with another teacher in pennsylvania between the two of those teachers they shared over three thousand messages with one another including hundreds of videos and photos of child abuse yet they're all over social media when they were arrested and i saw that the uh, the story was there that they were arrested i found their twitter account i went through and screenshot a bunch of their stuff uh, while they were raping a child during that time frame that they were raping a child they called the gop evil this is who we're dealing with anytime you see anybody who defends grooming behavior it's, it's always funny how quick this happens too are there some people who take it too far in accusing of grooming yeah i'm sure that there are okay by and large generally what you have is you have people who want to protect children don't want children to be abused don't want children exposed to things that's not age appropriate right that's generally what we have in our population the gay community supports that the trans community supports that everybody else supports that it's not controversial but you have radicals out there trying to pretend that one thing is not happening when in fact it is and it has been, according to the Washington Post three years ago, epidemic. Well, not three years, 2013, my apologies. Epidemic. According to the Department of Education, it's an epidemic problem. Yet somehow, someway, as we've highlighted in that early show from a few weeks back, the stuff that was published by the federal government under the Obama administration is concerning behavior as a parent to be on the lookout for if it's happening to your kid in school. That is now curriculum, whereas back in the Obama administration, these were red flags that your child might be abused at school. But now it's curriculum, and it's supposed to be tolerated and accepted. It's a very scary hour for you to watch, but I, you need to watch it. So once again, another pedophile, another groomer running out there attacking libs of TikTok, attacking people like me and everybody else out there who doesn't want children to be overly sexualized gets caught doing exactly what they said nobody was doing. But I've also told you many times on this show. Not everybody in the trans community is okay with some of the stuff that's going on. And I'm going to play you a video from a trans a drag queen, excuse me, not the trans community, but the drag queen. And they are going to tell you exactly why you shouldn't be supporting drag queen story hour and any other drag queen events at schools. We got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. Okay, let me give you a perfect example, kind of what I was talking about here. Respectfully, I understand that Fox News is in New York City. Fox News ran a big old story about a taxi accident that hurt six people in New York City. All right, tragic, horrible. I'm sorry that that happened to everybody. But why is that national news? However, uh, you know, school faculty raping and, and assaulting children probably needs to be something that is covered. Drag queens are another thing that we've talked about, okay? There are people out there who defend drag queens in front of in front of kids and we're talking elementary school kids and middle school kids Uh, when you couldn't do, you couldn't bring a a real woman into that school wearing the same outfits without seriously getting into trouble. Yet somehow it's okay. If it's a guy wearing ladies clothes, who does that cue my audio, please. This is a drag queen. As I've told you before from Vegas, I grew up with a lot of drag Queens, a lot of professional shows on the strip do drag. I don't know any of them who support what's happening right now. So I want you to listen to this. Um, I'm going to give you a disclaimer here slightly mature content three minutes uh maybe muted if you got a a young kid around
1: what what in the hell has a drag queen ever done to make you have so much respect for them and admire them so much other than put on makeup and and jump on the floor and writhe around and do sexual things on stage i have absolutely no idea why you would want that to influence your child Would you want a stripper or a porn star to influence your child? It it makes no sense at all. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults. There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex, and drugs, okay? So I don't think that this is an avenue you would want your child to explore. They could explore dressing up at home like we all did, like all gay boys did. We all dressed at home and we had a great time. We had a great time with our girlfriends, putting on makeup, trying on clothes, things like that. To actually get them involved in drag is extremely, extremely irresponsible on your part. And I understand you might want to look like you're with it, that you're cool, that you're woke, that you're not a Nazi, that you're not a homophobe, whatever whatever it may be. But you can raise your child to be just a normal, regular, everyday child without including them in gay, sexual things. And honestly, you're not doing the gay community any favors. In fact, you're hurting us, okay? We have already had a reputation of being pedophiles and being perverts and deviants. We don't need you to bring your children around. So you keep your kids at home or take them to Disneyland or take them to Chuck E. Cheese. But if you need your child to be entertained by a big human in a costume or in makeup, take them to the circus or something. When they turn 18, then why don't you take them to the clubs on their 18th birthday? Because it's an adult thing, okay? So don't ruin your child's life, and don't ruin us, because that's what you're doing.
0: Now, that is a drag queen in full drag addressing the public. As I've said before, they they understand. Um, A lot of people are treating their children as accessories to be seen as accepting and with it and hip and all of that nobody would allow their little girls to dress up like the strippers on stage like people are allowing their little boys to do when it comes to a drag show everybody understands how wrong that is it is not different when they're old enough fine but no this does not belong in schools it does not belong around children that is not what it is except is a sexual art form at its core Not done with that. We have more stuff on that later in the show, but not next. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in, Newstalk 953, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank RB Car Company. Again, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, rbcarcompany.com. Uh, real quick, I want to just on a personal side note here. So, my wife, um, she's she's a hiker and she went out, she lost her license when she was out on a hike here recently. And yesterday, while I was catching the rare nap, apparently. Uh, her license had been found in the wilderness and was returned to her. And I wanted to give a shout out to Jay Wade and Scott Wyman, uh, the director of. Scott Wyman is the director of parks, and Jay Wade is with the Elkhart Parks Department. So thank you so much for returning my wife's driver's license, and thank you for being uh, so nice about it and uh, helping her out. So. Sorry I wasn't able to meet you guys. Apparently, they had asked about me when we were there, and I would have loved to have uh, shaken your hands and and met you folks. But nonetheless, thank you so much for bringing that back, because she was super concerned about that, and uh, we appreciate uh, your service and, and everything that you did to get it back to her. So thank you for that. All right, let's talk about an insurrection, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't know, a crew from Stephen Colbert's show did exactly what was done on January 6th by many of the defendants in the January 6th case they illegally entered the capitol hmm they've been charged with it they've been arrested they've been charged with illegal entry to house office buildings after hours here's chad Pergram. fox is told the people were arrested in the longworth house office building the group was in the cannon house office building earlier in the day trying to get interviews around the time of the january 6th committee hearing however the united states capitol police shooed them away because they did not have proper press credentials Again, this is uh, Stephen Colbert's crew, okay? However, the group surfaced later that night after the Capitol complex was closed to the public. Fox is told that they took pictures and video around the offices of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, and Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado. Again, doing exactly uh, what they have accused... Other people of doing on January 6th, they were unescorted and arrested and charged with illegal entry. They were arrested near Boebert's office and they were released overnight. Now, for the record, if I were if I were any of those members of Congress, I'd have my entire office swept for bugs. That's just me. Now, there is a urinalist out there. Um, He is the City University of New York uh, journalism professor Jeff Jarvis. He was very critical of it. Uh, one of the individuals that is arrested is the guy who voices Triumph the Insult Dog. Okay, Capitol Police whitewashed terrorists casing the building to attack it, but arrest Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Late show production team arrested at U.S. Capitol while filming television stunt. So once again, I want to remind everybody, as we highlighted last week, at the end of the week, the Capitol Police are now the evil bad guys. For the record, it is complete and total fake news, and it already been... It had already been established as fake news uh, before, but we now know in the video, for those of you who don't understand, there was a video of uh, Loudermilk, Representative Loudermilk taking a, having some people on a tour. Kinzinger and others have said, this is not a normal tour route. What are they videotaping a staircase for? Well, we know why they were videotaping a staircase now. There's something in there. I'll tell you about it in just a minute, so we'll get to that after the commercial break here. But the Capitol Police told this crew to leave. They went into one place to to get interviews after the January 6th committee hearing. They were told to leave. They didn't have proper press credentials. They snuck in again. And they got caught. So naturally, then you have this journalism professor. Okay, he's out there saying the Capitol Police have whitewashed, you know, casing the Capitol before January 6th because remember, it's a plot. And Representative Loudermilk was allowing them to case the joint for the attack on the Capitol, which of course is not true. But it is important that people understand these folks did exactly what most of, not all, but most of the January 6th defendants Are charged with. It is the exact same thing. So I don't know if they've been released or anything like that, but what I had posted originally when this actually happened was, hey, um, it'll be interesting to see if they get put into solitary confinement for over a year awaiting a hearing here for the same exact charge. I mean, after all, they did break into a building that they weren't allowed to be in. They had already been told to disperse and not come back, and they chose to ignore that order from the Capitol Police, and they went in. Now, What's interesting about this is that allegedly, okay, allegedly, this crew was let into the Capitol by Representative Adam Schiff's staffers. Oh, now this is according to Representative Davis. I don't know if it's true, just letting you know. Staffers, Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat of California, and another member of Congress allowed producers of the Stephen Colbert Show into the U.S. Capitol before the producers were arrested. According to Representative Rodney Davis, Republican of Illinois, it is my understanding that these individuals were brought in by someone associated with Adam Schiff's office. Okay. Uh, Davis is the top Republican on the House Administration Committee. Seven people were arrested on June 6th, 16th, excuse me, around 8.30 p.m. at the Longworth House office building because they did not have an escort and did not have congressional identification, according to the Capitol Police. Officers determined that the individuals were part of a group that had been asked to leave earlier in the day and charged the people with unlawful entry. Okay. Okay. Now, if this ends up being true, that Adam Schiff's people let them in, this is hysterical, by the way. That would be the exact same thing that they're accusing the Republicans of doing before January sixth on January 5th. That Republicans let people in when there was no tours, even though there were tours, so they could case the joint. What did this crew do? Well, this crew went to Republicans, uh their offices and were sniffing around their offices and things like that. I mean this is I mean, this is you know, this is a crime. It is what it is. Now, here's the article from just the news. And I want you to to listen to this. This is is interesting. Um, Wait, no, that's the wrong one. Hold on a second. Get it back here. Ah, hold on. Did I lose it? Did I actually close this article? I might have closed the wrong article. Okay. There was a, sorry guys, I made a mistake. I closed one that should not have been closed. And uh, I'm batting a thousand today. I've done this a couple of times. Where did it go? Yeah, there we go. Okay. I got it. Washington Times. Here we go. (laughs) Democrats put in an awkward position as Stephen Colbert staffers are charged with illegal entry, okay? And here's why this is interesting. The Stephen Colbert producers and staffers arrested for trespassing at the House office building haven't done any favors for Democrats stoking outrage over the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot. Seven people working for the late show with Stephen Colbert were arrested and charged with unlawful entry after being caught unescorted at about 8.30 p.m. We already told you all that, okay? The staffers were reportedly allowed back into the Longworth building by an aide uh, to representative Jake... Auction Massachusetts Democrat, according to Fox News, after being denied credentials for select committee hearings uh, and told the Capitol Police, and told by the Capitol Police to leave. So, according to Fox News, they think Representative Jake Ach- Ach- Auction or Auction from Massachusetts, a Democrat, that one of their staffers let them in. Uh, Representative Davis says they believe it was a staffer from uh, Representative Schiff and somebody else. So perhaps Schiff and. Aachen or whatever their name is. OK, Jonathan Turley, George Washington University law professor, said unlawful entry was the same charge that has been levied against the vast majority of those arrested in the Capitol riot on January 6th. Now, remember, most of the people who have been arrested in connection with January 6th have not been accused of any violence or vandalism or damages just of entering the Capitol which is what these people did. And yet many of them were still, again, kept in solitary, even though they're not facing any higher charges. If the crew thought it better to ask forgiveness rather than permission in remaining, it was a uniquely poor decision given the security rules after January 6th, Turley wrote in his blog. This could put some of these members in an awkward position. It is difficult to downplay such security breaches after the January riot. Now, no doubt there's probably some Democrats out there who are trying to and this maybe this is what Stephen Colbert's crew was trying to do. And perhaps they were trying to put this together that maybe this was a stunt, okay? You try to get in, you're not allowed in. So, we as Democrats are going to let you into the building as a political stunt, okay? Probably trying to lean on the speech and debate clause. To protect the, the members of Congress, even though the aides did it, not the members of the Congress, so the aides wouldn't be protected. We're going to let them in, exactly the same as Republicans let people in on January 5th to case the joint. And then we're going to watch how this gets twisted and there's hypocritical coverage of it and how the Republicans lose their minds over it and everything else. There's just one big problem. We know exactly what the individuals were were photographing when they were on that tour with Congressman Loudermill. We're going to tell you all about it coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, not that long ago, the January 6th committee on their Twitter account, okay, they revealed surveillance video. Now, remember, they haven't released all of the surveillance footage. They're refusing to release a lot of surveillance footage. Uh, They're refusing to release a lot of text messages, and every time we do get a little bit that comes out because of the defense of of somebody who is being charged in January 6th, we end up finding out that the January 6th committee narrative is falling apart. Friendly reminder, we actually have the January 6th committee fabricating text messages. They did it. They tried to cover up by fabricating more, and they got busted, and they said that they regretted the error. Okay. So, and, And I realize that We make fun of Liz Cheney and and Adam Kinzinger a lot, but Adam Schiff is on this, this committee. This is the same Adam Schiff who walked around to everybody lying for years about having concrete, physical evidence that Donald Trump was working for Russia, okay? And he lied, and he's never really been called to task for that on any of these news programs, yet they continue to have him back on. So the January 6th committee Twitter account released that surveillance footage. Now, this showed a tour that was led by Representative Loudermilk in areas of the House. Now, they claim... Okay? That this was an unusual tour path, that tours of the house don't usually take this path, and that they were videotaping stairwells and photographing stairwells. And none of this made any sense unless, of course, you were casing the joint to attack it. And that is how they framed it. They also, Adam Kinzinger specifically, on his Twitter account, said that the, the Capitol was closed to tours that day. Nobody was allowed to do that. Now, the Capitol Police has already debunked that previously, that there were tours on the 5th that were authorized. So it's not true to say that the Capitol was closed to tours on January 5th. That's not accurate. So we already know that. But the Capitol Police, the chief, actually had said, we knew about this tour with Representative Loudermilk. Uh, We had officers there. Officers were following them there, and nobody did anything that they viewed to be unusual behavior or anything else. So naturally, the pivot became the Capitol Police are now the corrupt people. They're not the heroes that we hear about at the January 6th committee hearing. January 6th hearing starts off with testimony from Capitol police officers and how horrible their day was and all of this and how they're the real heroes who prevented an insurrection. And just a few days later... Suddenly, the Capitol Police are responsible for the biggest cover-up of January 6th because they allowed people to get into the Capitol. They allowed people to case the Capitol. They allowed people to photograph the Capitol so they could attack the Capitol, and they knew where to go and how to get out. Right. But the Capitol Police said, no, we knew about this tour. Nothing inappropriate about this tour at all. Adam Kinzinger and other Democrats and, of course— um, social you know, blue checkmark brigade journalists are out there going, it's not normal to take video and pictures of a stairwell. And as I said before last week, if you've ever been on a tour of any place that is like important, you've got those people who videotape or photograph everything, every single solitary thing. They just walk through and it's pictures of this, pictures of that, pictures of that. They go through it later and they determine what to share. They just take pictures of everything just in case they miss something. You probably know somebody like that. Well, what is in that video that was released by the January Six Committee showing that guy taking a photograph or a video up that stairwell at the Capitol? What was there? Turns out, a bunch of people have taken Capitol tours. I didn't know that people had taken Capitol tours. Ben, did you know that? Like millions of people have been to the Capitol and taken tours and stuff. You have too. Yeah. You've probably seen the thing that this guy was photographing then up the stairwell. It is a massive golden eagle statue. You've seen it, Ben? Seen it? It's a massive statue with two lights on either end yeah it might be something you take a photograph of if you're on a capital tour you know <laughs> oh man in comments captured by kyle alex stewart barry loudermilk cited a gold eagle on the stairwell the man was filming per my own this is ryan uh ryan j riley who is he i'm gonna give you who he is he's with nbc news he is a justice reporter for nbc news OK, so a justice reporter who covers the Department of Justice for NBC News, who is writing a book right now on the FBI's January 6th manhunt, is corroborating what Representative Loudermilk said was in that stairwell that was being videotaped by that pe- that person who was on the tour with Representative Loudermilk. He goes, in comments captured by Kyle Alex Stewart, Barry Loudermilk cited a gold eagle, On the stairwell the man was filming, per my own photo, circa 2019, there is indeed a pretty cool golden eagle in that stairwell. Folks, this is a guy who works, he's a journalist who works for NBC News, he covers the Department of Justice, and he's writing a book about the FBI's manhunt on January 6th, corroborating that the the guy videotaping on January 5th, who's now considered a January 6th co-conspirator, was, in fact, taking a picture of a giant golden eagle in the stairwell. There are still people who do not know this. There are people... What, what is this? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, next on CNN local radio producer was at January 6th. <laughs> but this... I mean, this is hysterical. Like, you have an NBC journalist, okay, who is actually writing a book on January 6th. He's like, no, no, there's an eagle there. This, guy, this guy's totally innocent. <laughs> but you still... You know that because the guy, the guy that we just quoted today um, about, uh, who, who posted this over the weekend about the crew from Colbert getting arrested, was like, "Oh, the Capitol Police just—you know—they whitewashed." You know, casing the joint for January 6th But he was specifically talking about the video That was released by the January 6th committee And he was specifically talking about the chief of police Saying, no, they didn't do anything inappropriate On that tour, and that tour was allowed to happen We had officers there, our officers Are trained to spot anything that's unusual They didn't do anything wrong, there was nothing Extraordinary about this particular tour group And that has turned into, the Capitol Police Are covering up for insurrectionists on January 6th Who were there on January 5th With Representative Loudermilk, who's leading the insurrectionists In this walkthrough, on how to attack the building. So that guy, who is a journalism professor right now, okay, that guy is still attacking the Capitol Police for something that a couple of days ago, an NBC News Department of Justice reporter who's writing a book about January 6th was able to corroborate. There is indeed an artifact in that hallway that is photo worthy. He also wrote, um, We're with Barry Loudermilk of Georgia. A little scoop here. More video from the man filming the January 5th Capitol tour that wasn't included in the committee's video. Do you mean to tell me the January 6th committee didn't include exculpatory evidence of this guy that they're accusing of being a January 6th insurrectionist and louder milk of being his co-conspirator? They didn't include that? Oh man. Uh, he takes particular interest in how the house works sign, appears to just be filming anything and everything. That is Ryan J. Riley, NBC News Department of Justice reporter on Twitter. So the right? what else do i need to say here for crying out loud you have an nbc reporter going through and going this guy is filming everything and the january 6 committee didn't include those videos they didn't include the giant statue up that stairwell that anybody who works at the capitol would. it says stairwell b you know exactly where it is anybody who works in the capitol would know where that is but they didn't show that to the american people did they you realize if this were an actual criminal trial in a court of law, this case would have been tossed a long time ago because of prosecutorial misconduct. Adam Schiff was even asked by Dana Bash over on CNN, perhaps a sign that new ownership is starting to move CNN into a news direction. But she was even asked, why aren't you interviewing anybody who challenges the January 6th committee's narrative? There are plenty of people out there, but none of them are being called. And Adam Schiff is like, we'll call anybody. But they haven't. They've refused to call people who would challenge that narrative. And the others... Um, are people that they want to accuse and all they ask like representative jordan is all right well what are you going to ask me about send over the information because if i'm going to be treated as a hostile witness i need to prepare my answers and they said no because they want to play gotcha with them mnc news time is four thirty-two. time to check out impress jewelry creations creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime i wanted you to be aware of one other january 6th kind of storyline here adam kinzinger who's on the, the January 6th committee. Um, again, he pretends to be a Republican, but uh, he he posted on Twitter that he got a letter addressed to his wife, sent to his home, threatening the life of my family. He said, the darkness is spreading courtesy of cowardly leaders fearful of truth. Is uh, is that what you want at, at GOP? And then he says, pastors, he's doing a question mark, like you pastors and you GOP people, is this what you want, people threatening my family? Now, for the record, I want you to understand something. I don't know if what I'm about to tell you is true, I have received these threats. I I live this pretty much every day. So people who have death fantasies about my children are very very common. They they're constantly sending me messages. It's all archived. It's it, everybody is aware of it. Um, so if anything, God forbid, ever does happen, they have an entire suspect list to go through. But Adam Kinsinger did this, and if this is real, you know we condemn it in the strongest possible way. However, Adam Kinsinger himself has some very unique character traits when he writes, as everybody does. But his are pretty overt, and a lot of people have seen in letters that he has written on official correspondence and the letter that was allegedly addressed to his wife that there appears to be a lot of similarities in the way that the words Are structured. Uh, For for example, their G's and their H's are the same, and if that is, you know, it's certainly possible for two people to have similar writing. I'm not saying that Adam Kinzinger wrote this himself and pretended that his family has been threatened, because frankly, I I believe that he's getting threats. Uh, I believe that most politicians get threats. Whether or not this one itself is legitimate or not, I don't know. Uh, If it is, like I said, we condemn it. But as people have highlighted, he has shared fake things in the past, So he has a credibility issue with a lot of folks and a lot of the letters in this letter that was sent to his wife appear to be almost identical, if not virtually the same as letters that he has written himself. And if that is the case, this could potentially mean that Adam Kinzinger has written this letter himself and it's. It's a fake letter. I don't know that it is. I just want you to be aware of this storyline because either they're going to, you know, it'll either die out, nobody will hear about it again, or there's going to be somebody who grabs some kind of a a handwriting expert and they're going to go through this. Somebody's going to pay for that in the media, um, or they'll catch the suspect and be able to definitively tell you that it was a credible, uh, credible threat and that the story is real. So I want you to be aware of this because this is something that will probably fly under the radar. For a lot of media places, but some people have some pretty compelling points that they're they're pointing out. But again, it's very uh, popular, not popular, possible, excuse me, for two people to have similar handwriting, and I'm not an expert in that field. But it does look like um, some of those letters are virtually identical to letters that he has actually written on official correspondence. So just keep an eye out for that. So for the first time, the courts have ruled that an insured business can now seek damages for COVID-19 shutdown losses. The Oceana Grill in on Bourbon Street in New Orleans had originally lost their request to seek damages from its insurer, but that decision has now been reversed on appeal. The physical presence of COVID-19 substantially diminished the, un, un, the usable space of the property as tables needed to be pushed farther apart and resulted in in economic losses due to the slowdown of the appellate's business that's according to chief judge terry love who wrote the ruling uh, cage and conti the company that owns oceana grill sued lloyds of london for damages on the day that they were shut down on the day that they were shut down march 20th of 2020 they argued that COVID 19 had paused prop caused property damage by forcing it to close and eventually reduced the amount of seating in the establishment to comply with social distancing rules now again most of the lockdown shutdown policies that were harmful to the economy happened in blue states and or blue cities and again it wasn't universal uh, we certainly had some issues with holcomb and others but by and large the economic struggles during covid came because of democratic policies it was defended by the media it was defended by democrats yes there were some republicans that went along with it but by and large it was democrat pushed democrats supported when a lot of Republicans and moderates wanted to pull back and reopen and not damage the economy. So a lot of that damage is specific because of left-wing policies, which they argued were important to save lives. Okay, uh, One of the policyholder attorneys involved in the case uh, said the dam is broken with the ruling paving the way for other businesses to do the same. This is according to Reuters. Uh, let's see. All right. So they all right, Oceana's Oceana Grills parent company was one of the first, if not the first to file a covid insurance coverage lawsuit, uh, though more will follow. The general consensus was that the pandemic wouldn't qualify for business interruption assistance as it was created to cover closures due to property damage from natural disasters. So that's the case that they're arguing. So they're saying that covid was a natural disaster and it did cause property damage because our ability to serve our customers was destroyed based on social distancing guidelines and that sort of stuff. So that's what they were successfully able to argue. And it's very interesting that this is happening. So the court found that the wording is open to interpretation and that physical damage did not have to be obvious and observable, according to the report. So now they're saying the dam is broken. More businesses will do the same. Uh, Lloyds of London, attorney Virginia Dodd, Uh, Phelps Dunbar told Reuters that she (laughs) believes the ruling was inconsistent with 10 federal circuit courts of appeal and every other state appellate court. We will pursue all options to address what we believe to be an outlier decision. You know, this is going to be one of those things though, folks, and and I've told you before there's going to be a lot of stuff that kind of creeps up post COVID that we're going to be dealing with for the next decade or so, maybe longer. How do you punish the businesses and the landlords and people who are operating companies when they are failing not because of anything they have done but because the government forced them to fail what kind of reconciliation did they get and that's the important thing here is that this was entirely artificial while it may have been done according to many in the best of spirits to save lives sweden has proven that that is not true we know that we also know that a lot of these policies continued they didn't make any sense It doesn't make sense to socially distance. We know that the the science behind socially distancing with an aerosolized virus doesn't make any sense because an aerosolized virus is perpetually airborne in many cases, and it doesn't matter what happens in six feet. It doesn't do you any good to be in a restaurant. So you're continuing to damage the restaurant's capacity, even though you're not actually protecting anybody. And this is all because of government edict, not because the business chose to operate a certain way. Not because the business wasn't good at what they were doing, not because they didn't cater to the customer, but purely because of government policy outside of the business's control. And it is unfair because of government's influence in that business that the business would fail or be seriously damaged. So as a result, the businesses have to be able to get a make good. They have to be able to be brought whole again for something that was completely and totally outside of their control. And COVID is a natural thing, right? So you could call it a natural disaster. There are plenty of news media articles that called COVID a natural disaster. You could use that as evidence. So really interesting to see this happen. Now, of course, this means that places like Lloyd's of London are going to have to eat a lot. They're going to have to eat a lot of money if it goes this direction, and their industry can be damaged. So ultimately, it's going to come down to probably who's got the most influence in Washington, D.C. We already know where that probably lies, but um, nonetheless, still a very interesting case, considering that this court overturned a previous loss, and it'll be appealed now, go to a higher court, and who knows how high it's going to go, but at some point somewhere the court system is going to have to decide if government policies forcing a business to not do business and forcing a business to not make money allows that business to qualify for some kind of insurance claim because covid was a natural phenomenon and we'll have to see how that goes so we've got one in the in the books now they will appeal though lloyds of london will appeal we'll see how that goes we got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel There's a research paper which found that people who did not receive a COVID vaccine had a lower rate of suffering a severe case of the virus throughout the pandemic. Uh, The article, which had been uploaded to the preprint server ResearchGate, relied on data from over 18,500 respondents across 175 countries. Analysis revealed that individuals unvaccinated against COVID reported fewer instances of hospitalization in comparison to their vaccinated counterparts. Now, again, um, the narrative is that people who are who are vaccinated, even though you still get COVID, uh, you had less severe COVID, and therefore you're less likely to go to the hospital and less likely to die, that sort of thing. Um, now, I've told you before that the data seems to suggest, certainly for the older population, that that is true. It does not suggest that for people under the age of 40. Uh, it's just... Not in the data anywhere that we seem to find. Um, And if people have comorbidities and things of that nature, then they should probably consider, uh, you know, maybe looking at getting the vaccine, talking with their doctor about it. This notion that fully healthy people, particularly young people, need it to stay out of the hospital doesn't wash with what the research is. So I'm just telling you what this research article Set and it relied on 18,500 respondents on 175 countries. So, you know, it's not uh, the most scientific, it's more like a survey. But I'm just letting you know, it was published. Now, the reason that it was, it was, this is a story is that uh, MSN News, that's that news website MSN, well, they launched um, this is all Bill Gates, this is a Microsoft thing, Microsoft uh, network uh, news and all that stuff. Anyway, they they covered it, but they took the article down after its publication. Uh, Interesting. So they titled the article, they basically aggregate this stuff. So they titled the article, Severe COVID-19, Rare in Unvaccinated People. But they took the story down since it's publication. Archived versions of the article are still available. So you can still go to MSN and find the archive of it. But they took it down off of, you know, the articles when you go to MSN that you can just go and search for. Um, well, not search, but you know, right there on the homepage, they're not there. So when you go to categories and stuff like that, you won't see this article. But if you search for it specifically... You can find it. It's, it's interesting. And again, it's unscientific. It's a survey. I'm just letting you know that. But it was still published. Um, so very interesting that MSN published it and then all of a sudden took it down. Also, we do have, I just want to touch on this for, for just a little bit because I know that a couple of people really wanted to talk about this. But uh, the International Governing Body for Swimming, that's FINA, officially enacted rules that will exclude transgender swimmers such as Leah Thomas from competing under their chosen gender in competitions organized by its authority. Uh, This is a win for women's sports. The officials decided that males who experience puberty would be ineligible to compete as women and that only transgender athletes who claim to have transitioned from male to female before the age of 12 years old would be allowed to compete as women. Now, while this is a win for women's sports, you also have to keep a lookout. There's an agenda to get younger and younger with transitioning, and this will be one of those cases that they will cite, hey, uh, you need to transition now before 12 years old, Otherwise, they won't have the ability to compete in athletics when they're older. So be on the lookout for that. And also, to end the hour, the Texas GOP did pass a resolution declaring that Biden is not legitimately elected as president. The Texas Republicans passed a resolution on June 18th stating that, Uh, President Joe Biden was not legitimately elected and that substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas influenced the results of the 2020 presidential election in favor of Biden, quote, we believe that the 2020 election violated Article one and two of the U.S. Constitution, that various secretaries of state illegally circumvented their state legislatures in conducting their elections in multiple ways, including by allowing ballots to be received after November 3rd, 2020. That is according to the resolution. Now, for the record, they're right. That is all true. That did happen. And in any other election cycle, those those ballots would be null and void. Uh, and again, just because there's an emergency doesn't mean you suspend the law or the Constitution. Even William Barr said that. But that's what happened all over the country. So very interesting that they passed this resolution. We believe that substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas significantly affected the results in five key states in favor of Joe Biden. According to the resolution, and we reject the certified results of the 2020 presidential election, and we hold that Acting President Joseph uh, Robinette Biden Jr. was not legitimately elected by the people of the United States. So, interesting resolution. Of course, it's a resolution; doesn't have any authority. It's non-binding; doesn't really mean much. It's basically just a public declaration, but nonetheless, pretty interesting to to see that happen in Texas. I think Texas is a little a little jealous that Florida is now getting the Texas reputation because Florida is now becoming like the bastion of freedom and liberty in the United States whereas Texas was always considered that they've lost a little bit on the DeSantis government in Florida. We got more coming up. NewsTalk 953, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in News NewsTalk 953, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget you can find us online Truth Social at Casey the Host Truth Social at Casey the Host and you can also watch the live stream of the radio show on Rumble every single weekday. Rumble.com slash Casey the Host. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at it. Lightyear, Disney's Lightyear, bombed Yeech. all over the world. Here's the thing if you have a Toy Story franchise film that bombs, you are on the wrong track track. So this is Breitbart. So the child groomers at the Walt Disney Company decided to gay up the Toy Story franchise, and it not only laid an egg here in America, it bombed all over the world. The experts who watched the box office said Lightyear Would grow 70 to 85 million dollars domestic and do another 50 to 60 million offshore. And they were hoping for a worldwide opening of 135 million. Instead, the Gayed Up Toy Story origin story crash landed with a 51 million domestic opening and only an additional 34 million offshore for just 85.6 million dollars worldwide. Remember, they were projecting 135 million, you got 85. In other words, Lightyear's worldwide haul equaled. What it was supposed to be, its domestic hall. and yeah. Uh, so this they, they had another another one too. Miss um, Marvel, I think, premiered this last week or over the weekend or whatever. It's the worst Marvel premiere ever. And I think it's a series, right, on Disney Plus, but it's the worst one ever that they've ever had. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I'm just letting you know that you know the same week, basically, Disney had two major major bombs, and that's not that's not great. For for that company, now they'll bounce back. It's Disney, you know. It's just one of those things where a lot of people are looking at it. They're going, and I know a lot of people who are still watching the movie, and you know they want their kids to see it, whatever. But the thing is, is that you you took something that uh, people had grown up with and wanted to pass down for for generations, and now they don't want to do that, and they're kind of avoiding it. And this has been available on Disney Plus. You know, it's not like you had to go to the movie theater and watch it. Uh, Meanwhile, Maverick is on pace for a billion dollars. It's like over $900 now. It's going to get a billion dollars probably this week. Just absolutely shredding the competition. And uh, Lightyear got beat by the new Jurassic Park movie, which I am told by multiple people is an absolute steaming pile of garbage. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know if I will ever see it. I think I'm still a Jurassic Park behind, but I'm definitely at least one behind, if not two. I'm not counting the current one. So I'm definitely one behind. Yeah, yeah. So I think I saw the second one with Chris Pratt in it. They did a third one, and then they have this one now, right? I don't know. I can't keep track of them. If they would just name the stupid movies Jurassic Park 1, 2, 3, and 4, then it'd be easier to keep track of them. But anyway, um, so that movie, which I'm told is horrible, just kicked the snot out of Lightyear. And Lightyear, you know, available at home and and all of that stuff. So it it doesn't doesn't look very good. And this is also not going to help. All right. So the actor Chris Evans who plays Lightyear, they got they got rid of of Tim Allen. So Chris Evans plays Lightyear. He's also, you know, plays Captain America. He um, he, had, he, had, he basically attacked what he called homophobes. And There's a lot of people who are looking at it like, look, I just want my kid to watch the movie. I don't need to explain, you know, why two girls were kissing and how two girls have a baby. I just don't need to, I don't need to explain all that. I just want to unwind and I want my kids to watch a movie that they enjoy. Well, he says, this is Chris Evans, okay? Responding to criticism for the film featuring a gay couple in a kiss. The real truth is those people are idiots, he said. Every time there's been a social advancement as we wake up, the American story, the human story is one of constant social awakening and growth, and that's what makes us good. There's always going to be people who are afraid and unaware and trying to hold on to what was before, but those people die off like dinosaurs. I think the goal is to pay them no mind, march forward, and embrace the growth That makes us human. Okay, I suppose you could do that. Um, And again, this is based on the false premise of why people are upset. People aren't upset because they hate gay people. That's just how they phrase the argument because it's an easy way for them to phrase it to try and demonize the people that are critical of the film. The issue is young kids are watching it and parents don't necessarily want to have this conversation with their kids about it. They just want their kids to be able to watch it. You don't have to have that conversation when Mr. Potato Head kisses Mrs. Potato Head, because that's what mom and dad do every single day at the house. You don't have to have that conversation with the kids. You do when it's the other way around. Uh, is it a big deal? It depends on the family, and it depends on the age and, and how it's presented. Uh, certainly, there's going to be a lot of families who don't have an issue with this at all. There will be others who don't want to address it. Now, if if your position as an actor is well, screw you guys, you're idiots, and you're going to die off. You're going to continue to make movies that don't make money. And I suppose that's okay if you're an actor and you're already rich, but eventually the movie theaters, or the movie studios, excuse me, will stop casting you because you're toxic at the box office. You know, there are actors who have had failing, miserable careers because they did one dumb thing. And now a lot of these actors are constantly getting recycled into these roles, even though they're demonizing half of their half of their potential paycheck. And eventually, there will be management at these studios that says, we're not going to make things that we agree with. We're going to make things that make money. Eventually, they're going to get back to that. They're not there now, but eventually they will get back to that. And you're going to find people like like Chris Evans, who frankly isn't a great actor anyway, who will struggle mightily in hollywood as a result there'll always be a market for him i think he's had enough success now that there's always going to be somebody who wants him in their independent film or what have you but um if your attitude is look if you don't like uh, the stuff they're putting in the movies and well screw you you're an idiot you're going to continue to not sell tickets to your your stuff but like i said it's you know he's he's making this about people who are upset about you know gay people that's not what it's about it's about the content not it's not something that parents want to deal with when they take their kid to the movie theater to watch a kids' movie, that's the issue. Many of those parents are probably just fine with gay couples. And probably don't have any issue with it, but they don't want to deal with it in a kids' film. Um, and unfortunately, you know this is this is how advocacy goes. Somebody says, "Hey." I don't need to explain to my four-year-old why this weird dynamic is happening. Um, Are there ways you can explain it where it's relatively easy? Sure, but every kid's a little different. Some kids poke and prod a little bit more, and parents know their kids better. Um, You know, my kids, I could explain it to them, and they'll be fine. Other people might have kids where you explain it to them, and it's going to turn into a whole thing. And that's a source of frustration for a lot of people just trying to sit there and watch a movie. So if you eliminate any kind of virtue signaling in movies for kids, then people are going to go to it, and they're going to watch it particularly if it's a branch of a franchise like this that is so beloved by the American people. But ultimately, uh, I'm sure there are some people who probably stayed away from it just because it's a branch off um, and because you don't have the actual Buzz Lightyear anymore. It's somebody else doing it, and maybe that's a part of it also. Uh, But, you know, some people could just think that it's overplayed. I think a lot of people watched the last Toy Story because they needed to finish the story. I watched the last... Have you seen all of them? Yeah. I watched the last one. I'm sorry, the film sucked. Um, But it was a sad ending. It was just one of those things where it was like, okay, you had to finish the story. So we're all in it. We don't really want to see another one. We're just in it because we have to finish the story. But ultimately, it was, you know, that franchise was two movies too long. I think most people probably understand. Um, But... Maybe they disagree with me. I don't know. So when you have your actor, your movie doesn't do well, and your actor's response to why the movie didn't do well is that the audience is idiots. It's not exactly a good thing for you, especially when everything you launch right now is bombing. Something to consider. That, not necessarily. There's a couple of successes that they've had. Here. Um, all right. five ninety-five ninety-five three is the phone number. You got any traffic updates or anything like that? Come let Ben know. You watch the live stream, Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Uh, coming up, I want to remind everybody, and this is important because of something that just happened in D.C., I want to remind everybody that, uh, uh, was it Kamal? Uh, Jamal. Jamal Khashoggi was not a journalist. He was an extremist, and he was a government operative. He was not a journalist, and this is important, but something happened in D.C. with Jamal Khashoggi that I need to tell you about coming up next on 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. We just had a listener call in and say that Maine between Catalpa and McKinley is closed off. And I had a listener on the live stream. Paul, he he sent me the Mishawaka Police Department bulletin on it. Here's what they say. It's going to be closed for a couple of days. So you need to plan an alternate route because, again, this is on Maine between Catalpa and McKinley. That whole area is going to be jacked. You want to avoid that for the next couple of days. The 2,700 and 2,800 blocks of North Main Street will be closed to all traffic until further notice due to a major water leak that has caused damage to the road surface. It will be a multi-day repair process. Any further inquiries should be directed to the Mishawaka Utilities Water Department. That is from the Mishawaka Police Department a few hours ago. So listeners calling in and saying, hey, what's going on over there? On Main Street, uh, it, it's closed. So you're going to need to get off of that and avoid that for the next several days until this repair is finished. So if you usually travel North Main Street between 2,700 and 2,800 uh, blocks there between uh, Catalpa and McKinley, you want to you know find an alternate route because that is not going to be up and operational for a couple of days. Jamal Khashoggi. Now, Jamal Khashoggi is... I I bring this up on on periodically. Actually, he ironically came up a couple of times last week just organically. Jamal Khashoggi is the, I'm throwing up the air quotes here, the journalist who was murdered by the saudi arabian government allegedly at the orders of the saudi prince salman okay now this was um used by left-wing people as an example of why saudi arabia is evil they never thought saudi arabia was evil before that they only thought saudi arabia was evil after that and it was this it was a time where there was this really weird behavior that we started to see prince salman is a pro-west anti-jihadist Okay, So he came to power. He took over for his dad. And he starts imprisoning all sorts of people and allegedly executing a bunch of people, including relatives. They were all terrorists. They're all people who funded terrorism, supported terrorism or committing terrorism themselves. And the American media was absolutely going nuts about how much of a tyrant this guy was. And all I could think of is like, he's killing bad guys. Is he doing it in a traditional Middle Eastern sort of way that the West frowns upon? Yeah, absolutely. But again, they do things differently over there. The media always tells us they do things differently over there, and you're supposed to respect and admire that. And that's what he was doing. So he basically cleaned house. And part of this was to make sure that he wasn't assassinated also because there's a power play that was happening there. But Prince Salman is completely different than his dad. His dad's a terror sympathizer. He's not that. He doesn't like terrorists. He doesn't like jihadists. He hates Al-Qaeda. And he's pro-West. He's, he's a capitalist. He wants Saudi Arabia to be ultra-rich and influential. That's what he wants. And he sees himself as a partner to the West and the United States. So you may not like the man, but he is very pro-West. He is 100% an ally. It is a complete regime change in Saudi Arabia. And there's still a lot of people today, even on the right, that are like, well, Saudi Arabia has always sucked, so Saudi Arabia currently sucks. This is a completely different guy in charge. Okay, He is not his dad. Now, Jamal Khashoggi who has written columns in the Washington Post, not many, like one or two, um, he dies. And the U.S. media and the international media goes over about the war on the media. It's Donald Trump's fault that Prince Salman in Saudi Arabia... Uh, killed Khashoggi. The prince is like, I didn't order his death. You know, pff, did he? Probably, but <laughs> but you know, you assume that nothing really happens in Saudi Arabia without the crown prince telling you to do it. Um, but nonetheless, they they went ahead. They found the people that were responsible. They conducted their investigation. They found the people responsible. They punished them. That sort of thing. But the big thing that I wanted people to remember is that Jamal Khashoggi was not a journalist. Jamal Khashoggi was basically a government agent for the nation of Qatar, or as Sean Hannity would say, "Cutter." I don't know where that came from, but okay. Well, the reason that I'm bringing this up, a day after the White House announced that former Vice President Joe Biden will visit Saudi Arabia next month, the street in front of the Saudi embassy in Washington, D.C., uh-huh, was renamed for Jamal Khashoggi. So right before Biden goes to Saudi Arabia to beg Saudi Arabia to produce more oil to help the price of gasoline, the city of D.C. insults the Saudi Arabian government and people by renaming the street in front of the Saudi embassy after a guy that they allegedly had murdered. Yeah, that's going to go over great. Overseas, by the way. Supporters hailed Wednesday's unveiling of a street sign reading Jamal Khashoggi way to honor a man described as a champion of freedom and democracy, echoing the praise heaped on Khashoggi by political elites and mainstream media outlets following his 2018 death. Yeah, the guy was a terrorist supporter. He had all sorts of ties to extremist groups. What are you doing? Let me go back in time here. This is uh, 2018, December 2018. The Washington Post has caused itself a major scandal since it has come to light that they, And their martyred reformer, Jamal Khashoggi, were publishing anti-Saudi propaganda from Qatar. They tried to bury this in a pre-Christmas Saturday news dump, but that can't stop the damage that this will do to their reputation. Quote, text messages between Khashoggi and an executive at Qatar Foundation International show that the executive, Maggie Mitchell Salem, or Salem, um usually that's spelled Salem, but at times shaped the columns that he submitted to the Washington Post, proposing topics, drafting material, prodding him to take a harder line against the Saudi government. So this is what the Washington Post admitted to on December 21st of 2018. The Post says that they were unaware of this, although Khashoggi's Qatar connections were well-known. So the Washington Post is like, Basically, the government of Qatar was telling this guy what to write in the Washington Post. We didn't know anything about it, so we're telling you about it right now in a Christmas news dump that nobody will read. But everybody knew that he was tied to Qatar, so what is... Anyway, the article continues. They will have to answer for what is either incompetence in connecting these dots or simply not caring as Khashoggi's attacks on President Trump and the Saudis fit right in with their narrative. The Qatar Foundation denies that they were paying him to produce the anti-Saudi material. But during security studies group research... For our report on the information operation after his death, we heard from reliable sources familiar with the investigation the documents showing wire transfers from Qatar were found in his apartment in Turkey. They were immediately put out of reach by Turkish security services, so they did not show the, coll- the collusion between Khashoggi, Qatar, and Turkey prior to his death. Turkey also wants regime change in Saudi Arabia. They don't like Prince Salman. Prince Salman's too pro-West. They have published a new unredacted set of of findings about the case, and it is damning to Qatar, Turkey, and the Washington Post. Khashoggi may have been operating in violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act by doing this on behalf of Qatar. This is the same law that caused both General Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort legal jeopardy by not filing their their attempts to influence the U.S. government on behalf of a foreign entity. The op-eds published in the very influential Washington Post certainly qualify as attempts to change U.S. policy against Saudi Arabia and in favor of the Muslim Brotherhood, a terrorist group which Qatar supports in spite of its status as a terrorist organization with most other Gulf countries. One of the other things that came up in the investigation of Jamal Khashoggi from people was that Jamal Khashoggi was actually trying to he was trying to affect regime change in Saudi Arabia. Jamal Khashoggi wasn't a journalist. Jamal Khashoggi was a front man for the Qatari government and the Muslim Brotherhood to get King Solomon killed and thrown out of power and get Donald Trump thrown out of office. That's who he was. He wasn't a journalist. He was basically a spy or a secret, not really a spy, but a secret agent of a hostile government and a terrorist group and they've renamed a street in front of the saudi embassy in washington dc in his honor right before former vice president joe biden goes to saudi arabia to beg for them to increase oil production so the price of gas comes down yeah um let's see how that goes a uh, friendly reminder uh, prince Salman did not take joe biden's calls when the oil situation started gearing up he ignored him he didn't even take the call it wasn't like he he took the call and said yeah no we're not going to release more oil He didn't take the call, and now you've insulted him before you go visit them to beg for more oil. Let's see how this goes. I don't anticipate a successful trip, but we'll see. MNC News time is 532. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. Friendly reminder that Main Street's going to be closed for a couple of days. Uh, Right now there's an issue, um, which is the the water main break. And somebody called and said, hey, Main's closed between Catalpa and McKinley. We don't know what's going on. But ultimately what had happened is the Mishawaka Police Department, a couple hours, put out the, uh, the bulletin that between the 2700, And 2,800 blocks of North Main Street, they are closed to all traffic because of a water main break that has damaged the road. It is a multi-day repair, so you need to find an alternate route. So that is, again, North Main Street, the 2,700 and 2,800 blocks of North Main Street will be closed for the next several days. So if you're anywhere you're trying to get anywhere on Main between Catalpa and McKinley, you're going to have a rough time over the next couple of days. So plan out an alternate route so you don't get caught and have to deal with that uh, that issue there because they're going to be routing everybody around and of course you know that most people are going to route over to Grape Road. Grape Road's going to be messed up. So give yourself some extra time. If you have to travel that route, all right. Um, I wanted to go over this because I've been warning about this since the the very first rumbling shortly after, as a couple of months after the lockdowns, maybe a month after the lockdowns, we started seeing these these articles about hey, we might need to do lockdowns perpetually to save the planet. And I've been warning you about this and giving you updates about this now for over two years. France has now enacted what I believe is the very first climate lockdown, which I told you was coming. The Grande Department within the Bordeaux region of France banned all outdoor public events on June 17th in response to an ongoing heat wave. The lockdown also includes indoor venues without air conditioning and has affected all large public gatherings. Gatherings. Canceled events range from concerts to a planned June 18th resistance celebration honoring Charles de Gaulle, uh, his call for France to resist the Nazis. Exceptions to the ban will be made for weddings. So you can wear your heavy wedding dress and die. You just can't go outside without your shirt and get wet with water. Uh, The push for governmental control in response to a heat wave have mirrored the lockdowns placed on the French people due to COVID. Uh, Last year, Emmanuel Macron ordered severe and strict lockdowns over the virus and lockdowns led to unprecedented protests. And riots in response, which of course the American media never covered. Uh, so again, I, I just I told you that this was going to start to happen. Uh, they're they're talking about there's various bills that have been introduced in the French National Assembly. Which by the way, Le Pen's party has now seized uh, much more power in. Uh, Emmanuel Macron's party no longer has the power in their assembly that they used to. But there was bills that were introduced that basically they. They were talking about what they called ecocide and the damaging the planet that was going to kill everybody and that sort of stuff. So they're proposing these lockdowns. They have already proposed this in France, these lockdowns for climate. And now they're actually doing it just like that. You're starting to have these climate lockdowns already in France. And don't forget The energy minister in Luxembourg has already proposed that you not be allowed to drive to work like three days a week, and nobody should be allowed to drive at all on the weekends because of the climate. Just keep that in mind. I told you this was going to start happening, and it is starting to take place. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstock 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I want to leave you with a somewhat humorous but not humorous story. A lifelong donor who gives blood has been refused and kicked out. This is a 66-year-old British man who has donated 125 pints of blood over the last 50 years. His name is Leslie Sinclair. And all of his years of donating have been... He's never had any issues, never had any problems with the National Health Service of England, and uh, they they will no longer take his blood donations. Now, the reason they won't take his blood donations is not because he came down with a disease or anything. It's just that after 50 years of donating, they've got a new form, and he refused to sign on the form that he was not pregnant because he's a dude and he can't get pregnant. But now, because of this woke nonsense, they have the question on the form about if he's pregnant. He's like, I'm not answering that. I'm a guy, and as a result, this guy who has donated 125 pints of blood over 50 years is no longer allowed to donate blood. So, if somebody dies and you have any relatives in this guy's area, if somebody dies without his blood, yeah, you know who to blame. What a what a crazy, crazy world we live in. Hey, folks, don't forget to subscribe on Rumble.com/slash Casey the host. Follow me on Truth Social at Casey the Host. Bill O'Reilly is coming up next, and uh, thank you for hanging out with us. I didn't give you the early show today.